Hey everyone, and welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, a podcast for artists who are ready to reach greater heights in their art careers. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, founder of Visionary Art Collective and New Visionary Magazine. Join me for inspiring conversations with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. Let's jump in. Hey, artists and entrepreneurs, welcome back to the podcast. So excited for another episode with you today. We have Marielle Fry joining us. Marielle is the founder of FM Bookkeeping. She is also my wonderful sister-in-law. Marielle, welcome, welcome. Thank you. So excited to be here. It's really just so fun to talk to other entrepreneurs. It's so fun. And I'm just excited. I'm so excited you're here and I'm excited to dive into what I know is going to be a lovely conversation and an insightful conversation about art and entrepreneurship and networking and community and all of the things that you and I have talked about. But first, I would like to ask you, why bookkeeping? You have this amazing bookkeeping (laughs) company. For anyone listening, Marielle is also my bookkeeper and she is fantastic. So what led you to bookkeeping? And yeah, just tell our listeners a little bit about your journey. Sure. So for many years in my corporate world, I've worked a lot of like billing, admin, reconciling, expense reports. So I felt the skills were there, but it was more when I started my own business. Could I do bookkeeping? Did this make sense? But it's really a little bit in my blood. My grandmother was a bookkeeper, a lot of CPAs in my family, and I just really enjoyed numbers. You know, for me, I, I, you joke, but I never feel as creative. And I always felt like a more logical, analytical, you know, my husband, your brother, he's very logical and analytical. And so the two of us, we just think realistically about life and maybe we're not woo woo, but we just think, okay, these are the numbers. This is it. You know, we're just realistic. Maybe that's not the best way to be, but With bookkeeping, it seems to work really well. And so with the skills I've learned throughout my corporate life and just learning QuickBooks, but also just kind of it being born, I felt like I was born to do this. Everything kind of felt aligned in the right way. Amazing. And you have such a great way of like, I think grounding me as well. And you do have such a sort of logical analytical mind, but I think you also have this really great, you just bring so much practical advice into like, the work that I'm doing. And it's been so amazing to work with you as well as obviously having you as, (laughs) as my sister-in-law, because you have such great strategies to share. And I feel like that's such a gift. I mean, I live in the woo-woo, so, you know, I am also, (laughs) I'm also very practical at times, but it's a nice balance. And I feel like we always have such great conversations and, you know, we help each other to see from different perspectives. Can you tell us a little bit about what has been helpful for you as you've grown your business FM bookkeeping? That's a great question. So year one for me, it was kind of spaghetti on the wall, to be honest with you. I think as an entrepreneur starting your business, you're going to have to try a few different strategies. I don't think there is a one size fits all. And if there was, don't you think everybody would be doing it? I just think that you have to try different things. For me, I have tried networking. I have done social media. I've done LinkedIn. And the, the biggest thing, the way I've gotten clients is through referral partners with my business. So I like to meet with CPAs, financial advisors, actually payroll providers, but also part of communities as well. I know in Charleston, it's also a virtual community called Women Up. 
And they focus on entrepreneurs, but they do in-person networking in Charleston because that's where she is. But she also does a few virtual events online per month. And that's also just a great way to meet other like-minded women. I know you're going to potentially, I just saw on your uh, social media, put out your community. And being part of a community is so powerful just to uplift each other and it's collaboration. I don't ever want to look at that as competition. I think there could be a million artists, but you all bring something different to the table, you know, and it's so abstract. It's so opinionated, but it's all beautiful in different ways. And so I think if we all work together and refer and help each other grow, it just makes the world a better place. A hundred percent. I mean, we've talked so much about community and I remember you sharing uh, that wonderful network with me. And it was such an inspiration as I started to design my own community. But it's also been really cool to see, you know, since you moved to Charleston, you just put yourself out there so much. I feel like every time I talk with you, you're either heading to a networking event or coming back from a networking event. And I feel like through those connections, like genuine connections that you've cultivated, like you said, you've started to get referrals. You, your, your business has organically grown as a result. And I feel like as artists, as creative entrepreneurs, we've got to remember that we can't do it alone. We've talked so much in this season of the podcast in particular about the power of community. It has come up literally almost, I think, probably every single episode. And I think it just, you know, it's part of a larger conversation about how we grow together, we're stronger together. And through relationships and these beautiful, authentic and organic connections, we can learn about new opportunities the same way that you have been referred to different, you know, creative businesses to do their books. It's very similar in the art world, right? If you're talking with an artist, um, they might recommend a gallery that could be a great fit for you. They might introduce you to a curator or you know, they might even just give you some really powerful feedback that you can apply to your work. So I think just remembering that it's hard to be on our own island and sometimes it can feel that way. So in addition to your network, all the amazing networking that you have done, what would you say has been the most valuable part of growing your business and just like being a creative entrepreneur? Being super genuine in who you are. And I think a lot of times, sometimes we have not a fake persona, but we could have a little bit of a fake persona when it comes to meeting business people versus around like family and friends. And I just try to be real across the board, whether it's with my husband, whether it's with a referral partner. I just try to be myself no matter what and staying true to who you are and what your morals are and what feels good to you. Sometimes it's a gut check. Sometimes it's talking to a mentor. Sometimes it's talking to a friend. But I think it's just being really real in everything that you do. And don't assume that you meet somebody, they're going to send you business. I think you have to go into it as like, I expect nothing from anybody, to be quite honest with you. I would rather go in with the mentality of, okay, I'm meeting you. Let's see how we could potentially refer each other and go from there. I think when you have the expectation that somebody's going to help you every time. You're just going to set yourself up for failure. I think when you're genuinely interested in somebody, you're genuinely learning about them, their business, what they do, and there could be synergy. That's great. And if not, that's okay too. You never know where people move around or go. And so I think it's just being true to yourself and not having expectations that every person you talk to is going to be a sale because you will just be so wrong (laughs) about all of that. Absolutely. I think that's like such powerful advice for artists too. I mean, 
it's like grow your community and do it because you genuinely want to connect with others. And if opportunities come out of that, which just often happens, that's the beauty of it, then that's beautiful. But keeping your expectations really low and just building those relationships for the right reasons is such powerful advice. And Marielle, what would you say like when it comes to just, yeah, being a business owner, how would you compare your experience now with the work you're doing to working in corporate and what are like the pros and cons <laughs> of running your own business versus working for, you know, the man as, as they say? Oh gosh, so many things. And I think let's break down the biggest differences when you Work in corporate, you are a W-2 employee, meaning that you're going to get a paycheck every two weeks. You can clock in and out from nine to five, theoretically, where you're going in, you're doing a job, and then you're leaving. You don't have to think about it. You just have a boss. You have to ask for your vacation days. You X get X amount of limit for you know whatever your health benefits are, whatever you know you can contribute to your 401k. And that's your only source of income. I guess I want to be very clear of that when you work for a company. Now, could you do a side hustle, other things? Sure. But typically when you work corporate, you're in this mentality that you work for a company, you get a paycheck every two weeks, you get X amount of vacation days. And like, that's it. That's all you get. When you move to an entrepreneurial side, you almost work around the clock, (laughs) especially in the beginning, but you're not getting a consistent paycheck every two weeks. You're not taking vacation days, you can do whatever you want, but there's expectation that you need to hustle, that you need to kind of grind and work. But it's also cash flow. I think cash flow is really important to any business owner of money coming in and then being able to take money out or have money for overhead expenses, you know, all these other things that you have to consider. And so cash flow is your biggest, I don't want to say problem, but it's your biggest concern in any business because if you don't have money coming in, you can't spend money. You can't do anything that you need to do. Maybe pay yourself. Likewise, if you're not making money, that's a problem too. And so it's a different mindset. And plus you can, as a business owner, you can have multiple streams of income. You know, you can make money from different people, referrals. Every business is set up different. So I don't want to say one way or the other, but every business owner could have multiple streams of income. You can have you know, if you're a landscaper, you could have a hundred clients. If you lose two of those clients, it's no big deal. You still have 98 more. And I think it's that mentality because otherwise you have one stream of income as a corporate person, maybe a side hustle, right? If you dare to do one or you're an entrepreneur where you're hustling to make money every day, you can have multiple clients and okay, if you lose one or two, it's not the end of the world. You can just probably make that up over a couple months. And so it's understanding that, I don't want to say risk, but anything you do is a risk. And I think it depends on the type of risk you're willing to put yourself through, how hard you want to work, what type of work you want. And I think the biggest thing to think about too is the season that you're in. I think if you're a young person and you maybe aren't in a relationship, maybe you don't have kids, you can take the risk a little more in your own business. Likewise, maybe if you're a mom of two young kids, maybe a clock in, clock out job of a corporation is better. Again, every person has different circumstances and it really depends on what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Absolutely. It's such a personal decision, but I appreciate you shedding light on those two main, you know, main differences because similar to you, um, you know, I love being a business owner. I love having my own company. It's like such an empowering thing to know that you're in service to 
the amazing people that you're working with and you're doing what you love and you know you're getting paid to do it but it does come with a huge responsibility and it is very different than working a 9 to 5 because you are fully responsible for generating your income and it's really hard to clock in and clock out so i think like something that's really helped me that just popped into my mind as you were describing this was uh is setting boundaries and like upholding those boundaries like choosing maybe one day a week where you do not work. You know, for me on Sundays, like I don't even check my email. That's a non-negotiable because this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. And I feel that if I don't have that off button, at least in some capacity, although I will tell you that if I'm not checking my email, I'm probably still thinking about my emails. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you have to have those boundaries because if you don't, it's really easy to burn out. One thing that I wanted to ask you that I think is going to just also be really helpful for our listeners is what can an artist do? What can a creative entrepreneur do to get organized? I mean, you are a bookkeeper, so you are super organized when it comes to incoming expenses and outgoing expenses. Uh, what advice would you give to someone that perhaps isn't tracking any of any of that? So it depends where you are in your business. I would say if you're small business, maybe you're making under $5,000 a month and you're spending, let's say $3,000 a month. You could probably track that on Excel or Google Excel, which is free and you can categorize it and put it in there. And then you can send your end of year to your accountant. I think as you grow and you get busier, it's definitely worth it to think about a software. You know, I'm on QuickBooks online. There's Xero, there's Sage, there's FreshBooks. There's a few different options out there. So I think it depends on how big you are, how much money you can spend and afford to do. I always think a software is better. Um, In the beginning, Excel is okay. But just having a place to track everything really makes a difference. And another thing I'll say is if you are a business, have a business credit card and a business debit card, at least a business debit card. Um, Credit card could be down the road. But if you separate your business expenses versus personal It'll make your life so much easier when you co-mingle. It's so hard to get yourself out of that and to find the expenses that are the business expenses versus the personal. And so if you're able to just even do two separate credit cards, two separate like debit cards, that will even help you to look at bank statements, to categorize through Google and to not feel like you're all over the place. So definitely separate those out as like as much as you possibly can. Yeah. I think that's such good advice and also advice that you have given me with my own business and just, you know, staying on top of everything and tracking everything uh, because it is such a headache later on if you're not doing that. Um, So I appreciate you sharing that. I was also wondering, like, when did you launch FM Bookkeeping? Has it been a year? Mm -hmm. Has it been, it's been, yeah, it was about a year about a year, right? It was around this time last year. Mm -hmm. So you've started to grow your company and you know, it's, it's growing and you are networking and you're putting yourself out there. What, what suggestions or thoughts or advice would you give to an artist, a creative entrepreneur who is like perhaps at the very, very beginning of their journey. So maybe where you were this time last year, that maybe is feeling a little bit intimidating because let's be honest, like starting your own company, starting your own business, I think it can feel intimidating. I work with artists who are, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes they're not quite ready yet to 
form their LLC and sometimes they're in the process of starting that. But I think that when an artist, a creative entrepreneur, I mean, really artists are creative entrepreneurs, so I'm not sure why I keep separating them because it's really one and the same. But when someone is about to start their business, I think there's a little bit of like analysis paralysis that can happen, a little bit of imposter syndrome and just all the things that we experience when we really start leveling leveling up. Did you experience any of that? And what was helpful for you? I still experience imposter syndrome. I don't think it gets easier in your business. I just think your business evolves and changes. But in the beginning for me, I would say having a mentor was everything because she didn't tell me what to do, but how to do it. And that changed my whole perspective. Because when somebody's able to guide you and show you, it really just helps you with the whole conversation of how to go about your business. I would even say to try to work for somebody part-time. I think that's really so undervalued so much, but I actually still work for another bookkeeper who I love and adore, who's been a mentor and friend to me in my business as well. But doing work for her and seeing her processes and how she's done things has made me think, okay, I really can do this. Because when you're doing it totally on your own, it can feel very, very lonely. So whether you find a mentor or somebody in your community that you can reach out to, go in person a little bit. If it's something more virtual, you could try the virtual route. But I think having some kind of mentor or person that you can feel comfortable asking any question. For me, no dumb question is a dumb question. I feel I want to be able to ask somebody something and not be afraid to ask that question. And if you're in the beginning, you're going to have hundreds of questions. I still do. I will always have questions. And with my clients, I will tell them, even if I don't know the answer to your question, I will seek the answer to your question. I will find the answer to your question. I just think we're all out here trying to figure it out, especially in the beginning. That might be the hardest part. But if you find somebody who's walked in those footsteps, it's going to make it so much easier for you to get ahead versus trying to scramble and figure it out. Yeah, such sound advice. And actually, I think that is like the same advice that I would give too, because you worked with a mentor. I worked with, I've worked with multiple mentors, but I had, you know, a coach when I started my business. Uh, and I think right at the beginning, when it's so foundational and you're, it's so early on and you're kind of like in those early stages of, should I even do this? And the fear will come, like the the doubt, it just comes. It's going to come naturally. Anytime you level up and like you said it so well, there's always going to be a million questions. And then when you get to the next level, there will be more questions that arise. So I think working with someone who is further ahead than you is paramount because first of all, as you mentioned, it, it shows you this is possible. I'm working with this person who has actually done this thing that I aspire to do. So it's showing me that it's possible for me. And secondly, uh, you have that resource. You have someone that you can ask those questions to because yes, it's important to, I mean, the most important thing is to get clear on your why, why you're doing what you're doing. And you know, that is going to sustain you. Your why is, is always the most important thing, but the how is also important, you know, figuring out actually how to make something happen, how to bring your dream to life. And so, yeah, great advice. As you have grown and as you have expanded, and I know now you have many clients, um, have you 
ran into obstacles? Like, how do you handle challenges that come with being a business owner aside from having a mentor? Because I do think that that is like imperative. I think it's so important. Uh, But how have you just sort of navigated like being a business owner and the challenges that inevitably come with that? There's so many. I don't think it ever stops. I think, you know, yes, mentors are great. But if there's a question, truthfully, I will Google, I'll YouTube, you know, on QuickBooks. I call QuickBooks people every other day if I run into a problem. I think you just can't be afraid to ask questions to anybody if they know more than you. I think a lot of times in the beginning, we're so in our own head and we're so nervous to ask a question. We're so nervous of what people are going to think about us. And really, Nobody cares like you think that they do. People are more willing to help you and support you than anything else. I think we all make mistakes. We all screw up to some level, but it's really not how you fall. It's how you get back up. And knowing if you made a mistake, you'll grow from it. You'll get better. You'll be sharper. You'll be smarter. You'll know a heck of a lot more. And so, yeah, it's hard, but I think anybody is capable of figuring out the problem. And I think in a business... You have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible. You have to be agile. You have to be able to quickly move around. If something happened, you got to learn how to pivot, right? I think with COVID that affected so many people, the fitness industry, it affected hospitality, it affected the airlines, but then it helped accounting, it helped bookkeeping. Certain businesses were able to stay afloat and certain ones struggled a little more. But if you pivoted and adapted and were flexible, you were able to pass through the storm. And so it's knowing that life isn't going to be perfect. You're never like entrepreneurship is the biggest roller coaster of emotions, but knowing that you'll be able to get out on the other side, that you can figure out anything and make it possible. You'll be, you'll be better than okay. Absolutely. I feel like there's this beautiful personal journey that comes with building a business and growing it. Like you know, for me, I have learned to trust myself on such a deeper level than I think I ever did before. Because at the end of the day, when you're running a company, you are making all of those decisions. So when you start to really practice that, you do begin to trust yourself even more. And the confidence that comes from that is so valuable. And it's such a beautiful thing. How would you say you have grown on a personal level? Like how has your business, being a business owner, Um, impacted you personally? Massive confidence. I think when you work in corporate and especially, look, I came from the New York area. That's where I've lived pretty much my whole life. You are so, I remember going to bars, like going out and being so judged by what you did, where you worked and where you lived. And if you didn't answer those three questions, right, people almost wouldn't even talk to you. And I was always at the level of a coordinator. I never could seem to hit a manager or anything higher than that. And it was debilitating to me because so many of my friends were getting promoted and getting raises and, you know, all of these things. And I felt like I was getting nowhere in my career. And I got to a point where I was like, is this it? Like, is this my life? And I remember when I met, you know, your brother, my now husband, I remember one of our first few dates, he was like, you should be an entrepreneur. I said, you're crazy. I said, you're absolutely crazy. And he's like, no, I really think you could be an amazing entrepreneur. And I said, well, what would I do? And he's like, I don't know. But I know when if you become an entrepreneur, you're going to crush it. And he just knew that. He had that sixth sense, which is unbelievable. He's been my biggest rock 
talk about like support. He's been like my support through everything. And I, I don't even have enough words to say thank you, but he's been amazing to have that. But it's really helped my confidence to be like, I can do this. And people see the value in what I'm bringing. The fact that I can say I'm an owner, I'm a founder, I'm a president, whatever you want to call yourself, that boosts a million you know, times to be confident. But it feels good that I'm giving back and I'm helping people and helping real businesses and real people with their numbers. And I think with what you're doing and helping your community and being an owner, there's so much pride in that. There's so much pride in helping somebody achieve a goal that they want to achieve. What better feeling is that? And and corporate life, you don't get that. There for me, I felt so debilitated. I felt so weak. I felt so frustrated. I was extremely unhappy. To now, I could never imagine my life ever like I I have to be an entrepreneur for the rest of my life. There's no there's no going backward. <laughs> it's all yeah. about going forward for me. I love that. And like so many amazing points that you raise. And sometimes it does take someone else to see something within us that we don't see right away. Like my first mentor, uh, my first mentor coach, uh, she suggested to me that maybe I start teaching workshops for artists. Or the first time she suggested or asked me if I'd be open to mentoring artists, I was like, me? Really? What? Like, no way. So it was interesting when you were talking about, you know, the conversation that you had with my brother because... Um, I don't think we always see it in ourselves. And sometimes when someone else sees it, it's a really beautiful thing. But I think it's important, like you said, to be willing to take a chance and to trust ourselves and just to say, like, let's see what happens. Let me do this thing and let's see what comes from it. But I think that if you're willing to learn, if your heart is in the right place, if you have good intentions, if you have pure intentions, um, you're, you're gonna do great. And also I think knowing that there are going to be challenges, some of which, you know, we just talked a little bit about. And there are going to be times, as you mentioned, where you just have to adapt and you have to be flexible and you have to pivot really quickly and you have to put out fires and you have to think on your feet. But through that, I think you do learn. You had it within you all along, you know, like it was within you all along and that you're capable and sometimes I think that we're just like scratching the surface of what we're truly capable of. And when we launch something like a business or when we start to rely on ourselves to make our revenue and to earn an income, it's like we realize what we kind of tap into our potential and we realize what we're truly capable of. So it's such a beautiful thing. I actually think that being an entrepreneur is like very spiritual <laughs> in a way. I mean, you've taught me that. I mean, honestly, wow. I remember you talking like into abundance and like manifesting. And I really took to that so much. And I actually like true story. I'll show you this. I've done a vision board class and like, I know people can't listen to it, but like, I'll show you. And I've done a vision board class and I've done like four parts to it, but I keep it on my desk every day to just visually remind myself that like, I can do this. I can make this possible. And it's just that little gentle reminder that you're making things happen. You're making things move. And I do believe when you work hard, good things happen. And so I know you've taught me a lot of that. So I'm learning to be a little woo woo. Um, <laughs> I think you need a little bit of it. Um, and so for yeah. me, learn seeing you go through that um, has really inspired me to be like, yep, yeah, like I can do this too. You know, and yes, it's a lot of hard work, but if your mind's in the right place and you're willing to be a sponge 
I think that's everything in entrepreneurship. Yes. I think that actually is like probably the most important thing is just being willing to invest in your own learning and know that like, not only is it okay for you to not have all the answers, that's that's just the reality, but you've just got to be willing to like absorb as much as you can from the people who are a little bit further along in their journeys. And um, also I love that you did a vision board. I still have to do mine for next year, but I love that. And our listeners can't see, but it was beautiful. It looked beautiful. And uh, I think it's such a great thing to like put on your desk and serve as that daily reminder. Yeah. One of my, actually one of my clients, she does vision boarding in Charleston and I went to one of her events a few months ago and all kinds of women were in there. And it was really, I have a four parts of it where it was like family, it was owning property, it was my business, and then just like self-care. And you can make your vision board however you want. And something I do, and I know you do this too, I have like a word of the year. And my word of the year this year was growth. I was like, this is year one, I need to grow and I'm going to do whatever it takes to build growth. And I achieved that. And I keep that word on my vision board too. But I think for a creative person, it's just constantly, and any entrepreneur to be quite frank, like to remind yourself that you are worthy, you are capable, you just have to put in the work and you literally can make it happen. Yeah. I I appreciate you highlighting that because so much of it is mindset work. Like if your mindset is not strong, when those obstacles arise, it's going to be really easy to just shrink back down or to... um, to give up, you have to know that it is going to be hard sometimes. And I'm never like calling that in. It just is like, it is the reality of running a business. It it does have its challenges. But I think that if, you know, the daily affirmations, word of the year, I love that. I think that's such a beautiful way to start the year. And funny you say that because I was literally just journaling mine last night. Uh, for 2024, which I'm, there are multiple words. So I was, I was having a hard time choosing one, but I think it's surrender, but expansion also came up. So um, there were many, but okay. Uh, one of the last questions I wanted to ask you, but I feel like it's such a big thing and um, we kind of touched on it, but how has moving, like you moved to Charleston, you completely uprooted your life. You moved to this city (laughs) that you love so much. How has the Charleston community helped you? Because I feel like everything started happening for you once you moved down there. That's a great question. I listen, New York is a great place. I personally wanted a different lifestyle and so did my husband. I think for him, and for you, being nomads is really hard. And I think he struggled with it the, to the most to not feel like anywhere's home. But he's told me like, this is the first place I feel like I'm home. I feel safe. I feel like happy. And the community here has really, like, just in general, the community has been amazing. I would say Charleston's a lot of entrepreneurs here. And there's a lot of people just owning their own business and people just genuinely wanting to help each other. And so just networking and truthfully doing coffee meetups and getting to know people, like I feel half my life is networking, but the other half is like coffee meetups or lunches just to get the one-on-one time because it's not just learning about their business. It's asking them about their life, where they live, are they married? Do they have kids? Do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? Where do you like to travel? Where do you shop? Where do you eat? Charleston's a big foodie place. So everyone's always talking about food. But it's just really genuinely getting to know people. And that's how you unlock really amazing opportunities. And like I get invited to networking events that are invite only. 
I talk about my, you know, opportunities of other networking events once a month on my newsletter here because I want to be part of this community so much and feel like I'm giving back in some way. So I'm able to help others to find networking events and meet other people. And again, not feel so scary because it shouldn't be. And Charleston's a great place to network and just really meet good people who actually want to sit and take the time to talk to you. So Charleston's been honestly, knock on wood, like pretty wonderful. I didn't know what to expect moving here. It's really scary to kind of leave all of your family and friends behind. Two of my friends actually moved down here. But other than that, not knowing people, it's scary. But the community here is so warm that I don't, I don't feel like I've missed a beat. It's been amazing. I love that. And like getting to see it firsthand, just how your business has grown, how your community has expanded since you mo- you've moved down there and just how much you love it um, has been a beautiful thing to see. And I think it also speaks to the power of like when you feel safe and you feel like you're in a safe and supportive environment, you're more willing to take risks uh, because you feel that security. And so even though it was a completely new place to you and you've started to really like build a presence there with your company, but even though it was this new experience, you felt this immediate sense of like safety and security and like, it feels good to be here. So I can only imagine that that helps you to, you know, take risks like launching a business and growing the business and everything that comes with that, because it can feel really scary. So I think that that's actually like such important advice to any creative entrepreneur is finding your community, find your people, find a place that feels good to you. And if you're living in a place where that, you know, it's not resonating and, you know, due to your circumstances, perhaps you can't just up and leave, then look into online communities, uh, virtual communities, like the one that you mentioned, Marielle, was it, it was women, women up, women up. Mm -hmm. Great. I'll include that in the show notes as well, because, uh, through virtual communities, you can, it's not the same. I don't think that an in-person, uh, you know, experience of networking and meeting other people in person can ever be replicated. However, you can still meet people and you can still have these great conversations online. Um, and it can really be a place of, of safety and security and growth for you. Amazing. Okay. Well, as we start to wrap up this very inspiring conversation, tell us like what's on the horizon for you. I mean, we, when this episode comes out, it will probably be in early 2024. Do you have anything that you are particularly excited about next year or looking forward to? Just growing my business, to be honest with you. I think next year will be exciting. Um, My word of the year, I made strategy because I think when you do spaghetti on the wall, it's great. But now that I've seen what stuck and what didn't stay, like, you know, stick on the wall, I can strategize and be more realistic about my time. Who's going to be beneficial for me to meet with, partner with, network at, and to be mindful of, of course, the clients I have, but also to grow my business and to take on more clients and to be very thoughtful. You know, I'm just really excited for the future and what's to come. You know, I can't believe year one, I grew my business to even where it is. And so now it's really just, okay, I did this, there's success how can I grow more? How can I do better? How can I streamline, maybe cut some costs, increase my revenue? What differences can I do? Does it mean traveling to a conference? Does it mean going networking somewhere else? Just trying something different? Who knows? You know, I don't know what to expect, but 
I'm really just excited for the future and to meet amazing entrepreneurs along the way. I love that. And I think like, yeah, it's true. The possibilities are endless. And as your confidence grows, I think you do naturally just start to put yourself out there and see that there really are infinite possibilities. But I also love um, what you said about now that you are going into, it's the second year of your business, right? Mm -hmm. It's not so much about like throwing spaghetti on the wall. It's more strategy. But I love that you pointed that out because it always starts that way for every <laughs> every business owner. Or I can, I mean, I don't want to speak for every business owner, but I can tell you that like for me and for most entrepreneurs I know, it starts that way where you just have to really embrace experimentation and you have to test things out. You have to see what your audience is interested in. Same thing for artists. Like when I work with artists in my one-on-one program or in my group program, uh, if they are trying to increase their sales, the first thing we have to do is like, let's start to gather intel from your audience. Like do a poll on social media, see what people are responding to. You know, what kind of artwork um, are they most interested in? Are they most likely to buy? Um, And then just continuing to test. And I think you really have to make room for that and be okay with that when you're getting started because that's such valuable data that you can then go off of and then you can really start to develop an even more thoughtful strategy. But it's embracing that at the beginning because I think that's like just foundational to any business, no matter what you're doing. So. Absolutely. And your foundation is like your house, right? I always say this, like when you start a business, you have to build a solid foundation. Otherwise your house will crumble. Then once you kind of know what your foundation is and what you're growing, then you can put you know, the wood up, then you can put the shingles up, you can put the roof up, then you can start to add the decorations and appliances and everything else within the house. But you need to build the foundation up. Otherwise, it could crumble. And so you want to make sure it's really sturdy that you won't have any issues in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And circling back to something you mentioned earlier, like tracking your data at the beginning is so important. Um, Now that Uh, 2023, as we are recording this episode, is starting to come to a close. With almost every artist I'm working with, I'm like, let's track your data from this year. Like, if we're looking at sales, okay, how many prints did you sell? How many originals did you sell? Uh, How many commissions did you do? Let's have everything like in a spreadsheet. Um, And you can even get more granular than that. You know, where are people buying your work? Let's look at the cities. And um, it's tracking, it's, tracking your data because from there you can start to track your trends. Um, you can start to identify trends. And then from there you can start to create an even more thoughtful strategy. So yeah, uh, having a willingness to experiment, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay. It might not be like a long-term strategy, but it is really helpful at the beginning. And yeah, just like keeping track of everything. I might, I know that might sound overwhelming. And if you're listening, you might think that sounds like so much work, but you can, you can put a system in place to where it's really not much work. You know, you can have a spreadsheet that just every week you check in, you update it. It doesn't have to be. And I actually think that that approach, and this is something you always advocate for as well, Marielle, like of tracking little and often, um, is so much less of a headache. It's so much easier than waiting many months and then having to kind of like backtrack and yeah I mean I think with bookkeeping especially it's a very reactive decision it's never proactive it's never like I know I need to get ahead of this it's more oh shoot I need to get this done and so if you can be proactive about your finances proactive about 
your sales to your point of like tracking where information is coming from, you'll just give yourself a better picture of your business and where you're making money and where it's coming in because then you can decide, okay, do I go to a vintage market to sell? Do I sell all online and do social? Do I maybe go to a restaurant and put my artwork on there and do a split? Do I only focus on galleries? You know, I don't know what that thing is, especially for an artist, what's going to make sense. But again, it's spaghetti on the wall and seeing what works because all of those could work. None of those could work. Some of those could work. You could backtrack and try to pivot to a different strategy, but at least there's options and you can see what's going to bring you the most income. And I think that'll do well. I mean, perfect example of an artist for anybody who is thinking about art or kind of something creative. I went to a women's conference in Charleston recently. It's called Renaissance Women of Charleston, but I think they started in Nashville. Anyway, they had vendors there and there was this girl who was selling print art. But not only did she sell print art in different sizes, she also sold greeting cards. And actually, I think I have one here. And it's not, you can't see it on the video, but like she creates these really beautiful prints that she makes, but then puts them on greeting cards, postcards. She has different koozies that she sells, t-shirts. She had all these different prints. And I was like, how cool is that? And again, it's maybe thinking outside the box of your art. It's not just doing art and putting it on a wall for a gallery. It's let's think outside that box. Let's try to sell in different ways put yourself out there. It might be uncomfortable, but if people want this and like, listen, I'm going to give this to a friend for a birthday card. She's going to love this. Look at the artist on the back and then maybe want to buy their art. And that's a good way to even just get the word out there. Yes. Yes. I I love this so much. And actually like two really important things related to this, keeping an open mind, which I feel like you are totally emphasizing and advocating for. You have to be really, really open, especially at the be- in the beginning and try not to close yourself off to, to different ideas or possibilities. You've just got to be really open-minded. It will be beneficial. But also this idea of just, yeah, putting yourself out there, not being afraid to do that. And you can take small steps to do that. You know, this artist, she like... Well, the other thing that came up as you were talking, I was like, yes, multiple revenue streams. You've got, if you are a creative entrepreneur, having multiple revenue streams is so important because each one sort of takes the pressure off the other. And I've dropped revenue streams. I mean, there's things that I've done that have brought in income for Visionary Art Collective, but that I just either didn't enjoy or I didn't feel called to do, or it just didn't feel aligned anymore. So I pivoted to something else. So I think part of that as well is like, just being very open at the beginning, but then also thinking about um, how you can monetize your practice in different ways. It's really important. Um, Whenever I work with an artist who has a goal of increasing sales and they tell me that they only sell originals, I always encourage them to think about prints, you know, and you can have like super high-end, really beautiful prints on archival quality paper. It it doesn't have to be something that feels cheap or doesn't feel good to you. Like you can do it in a way that feels really high end and aligns with your vision. But I think multiple income, I'm a huge advocate for multiple income streams. So I love that you, I love that you brought that up. Thank you for highlighting that. Marielle, as we start to wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, your website, your Instagram, I'll include everything in the show notes as well. 
Sure. So I have a website, fmbookkeeping.com. My Instagram is fmbookkeeping. On LinkedIn, you can just find me, Marielle Fry, and I post, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. You can also email me, Marielle at fmbookkeeping.com. So all different ways to book with me. Um, If you want to book a discovery call, you can do it on my website. I make my website very simple and easy um, for anyone to book a discovery call with me. But if you also want to email me, if you have any questions, feel free. I'm always happy to help as much as I can. Amazing. And I can, I just want to say like, you are an incredible bookkeeper and so inspiring and just, you know, seeing what you've done with your business has been incredible but you also just really helped to keep you really helped to keep me organized and on track. So I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but I'll include all of your information in the show notes. And uh, yeah, a wonderful conversation. Thank you again for joining me, and for everyone listening. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com slash magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.